Hi, this is Russ, and we're uh, now going to start in session 11 from the course Confronting the Powers Through the Great Commission. Hope all the students have been doing great. Listen, continue to pray for us as we continue to uh, pray for you. May uh, God really bless you in your studies. May the Spirit of God lead you in prayer mapping and prayer and empower you to be a great witness for Jesus Christ uh, just simply all the days of your life. Uh, that is the great adventure and uh, the great mission that God has given to uh, given to us. Uh, let's take a look on uh, page 34 in your notes. For those who have the notes, um, we are at session 11, the Satanic Final Solution. And uh, just again, backdrop studies, uh, Revelation chapter 16, uh, specifically where the dragon, the uh, beast, and the false prophet unleashed demonic presence uh, to go out to the kings, which would be the political, you know, governmental, and uh, even the military leaders of the world, uh, to influence them. And we see the conclusion of this in Revelation 19, 19, when the armies of the beast are all gathered together, uh, but they're there gathered not to fight each other. Uh, you need to study that verse really well, Revelation 19, 19. We'll take a look at it in a few moments, but uh, let's take a look at the key uh, to this uh, study that we have going on right now. The, let me just quote from the key in page 34. The final satanic solution is the same as the first satanic assault. The goal is to dethrone God and to enthrone self. This has been the insatiable lust of the ancient dragon. He will do anything he can and use anyone who's willing to accomplish his goal. Make no mistake, Satan has a passion and a focused, unchangeable or unalterable goal. This is the goal that began in the heavenlies, that uh, burst upon uh, the face of humanity in our fatal and flawed choice. And uh, the doors have been swung wide open. We are now thousands of years later in this battle. Messiah has come. The cross has been, uh, has been uh, lifted up. Christ has uh, done his work. There is a great victory that God has uh, granted. We're in the age of grace. But let's talk about uh, the war that is going on. The war that began in the heavenlies as we started this course that continues through the Old Testament days all the way to uh, the days we live in. As we've been saying all along in this course, and one of the reasons for this course is uh, simply because of the ramping up of the dark spirits and uh, the ramping up of the manifestation of the worst of the satanic kingdom in these last days. On page 34, we have uh, three specific things concerning the war. Uh, first, it's an invisible war. Well, at least for the most part. Uh, when we look at First Corinthians, I'm sorry, Second Corinthians 4.4, 4, it talks about that the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Now, it talks about the operating presence. I mean, the Bible assumes there is demonic presence, satanic presence. I mean, all of the Old Testament and, and the New Testament and Jesus himself, there's just this ongoing revelation of their um, worldview. The biblical worldview is that there is a 
satanic and evil presence that is in the world around us that has been operating and forming human uh, demonic based religions and uh, anything and everything that would blind the minds of those who do not see that God is uh, incarnate in Christ and that he's come to be the savior of the world and we see this in Ephesians chapter 6 for Christians our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against spiritual forces uh, principalities and powers now to to the to the most of us this is a sense an invisible war but it's an invisible war that has effects into our life and biblical revelation which we're going to see in a few moments gives us insight and helps us understand uh, the movements and methods and tactics um, of the satanic empire and the demonic presence so that we're not unaware and outwitted so it's very important to realize that to the physical eye this has been somewhat of a invisible war but b it will become more visible now it became more visible clearly when jesus arrived because his presence and his authority and his power literally forced uh, the revelation and exposure of demonic presence uh, literally jesus uh, by his authority uh, caused the manifestation of demonic presence and in every single case when they did manifest they cried out they were terrified they were completely in fear of uh, christ this is the christ of the new testament and they feared him uh, the gospel of mark chapter 5 probably being one of the um, most notable cases where the demons screamed out through the human through the man uh, concerning Jesus they feared that he came to torture them and uh, they know the judgments coming I mean that's something that's very clear even uh, Satan knows according to Revelation 12 that his time is short so there's an ominous feeling in that side uh, in that kingdom that they know that what is coming down the pike just as Jesus came the first time and uh, just as Satan as we've been saying all along knows prophecy very very well and um, obviously if he can stop Jesus from descending and coming visibly to the world and setting up the millennial kingdom possibly that may mean that he can stop the great white throne judgment and the eternal lake of fire could it be that part of Satan's furious work is to stop what he sees prophetically coming down the pike he has not been able to stop the Messiah uh, from being virgin born raised and going to the cross he did all that he could to get Jesus to bow down to stop everything and uh, he's done that concerning the church but we also see that uh, according to Revelation 16 all the way to chapter 19 verse 19 Satan's final solution uh, is to gather the largest most massive demonically inspired probably technologically advanced uh, army in all of global history to battle against the descent of the visible Christ returning not only for his church uh, in the sense of catching up his, his own people but if you read Revelation 19, you see that he comes uh, as King of Kings, Lord of Lords. He comes in, in that descent, in the visible descent, he comes uh, to bring destruction to the uh, Antichrist uh, Empire, to the, to, the, to the Dark Empire, and uh, then to 
than to literally um, remove, uh, have him removed, and the false prophet, and so forth. And all those who had gathered together, who have taken the mark, uh, who were also probably, at the very least, demonically, uh, they had attachment, if not possession. Um, so in Jesus' return, there is this attempt, uh, as we're going to see, the final solution Satan has. But I think that it has something to do and, and students maybe just really take time to study this and those to take and, and contemplate as you uh, prayerfully contemplate that if Satan knows prophecy and he knew and was waiting for Jesus the first time based on Revelation 12 obviously he's preparing all that he's doing to create this vast army um, of Luciferians, elitists, Illuminati whatever you want to call them, globalists um, to eventually come together after completely weaning them from uh, Christ, the Word of God, and and absolutely soaking them with with demonic deception, uh, the goal would be then to um, take them captive to do His will, as we've seen in Scripture, uh, in Timothy two twenty six, and taking them captive. Listen, is no little thing, as he did with uh, Jim Jones or Sun Moon, or Victor Paul Wirewilly, or Moses Burke, all these different cult leaders, or Helena Budavasky, or Alice Bailey, David Spangler, and many, many others, by the way, by this time, who've taken up the spirit of Antichrist, and uh, who have been not only uh, blinded from seeing the real Christ, but are now uh, participating in this agenda that Satan has. And that's why we said earlier that um, he will do anything he can and use anyone who's willing to accomplish his goal. Very important. He loves to deceive, but that's not the end of the matter. The other side of the matter is he'd love to turn everyone. Please, please understand that. If he came and confronted Messiah himself in Matthew chapter 4 to turn him, that's what the temptation was all about, to stop him. Uh, it wasn't just to stop him. It was to turn him to worship him. And uh, that, again, is the insatiable lust that Satan has. He wanted the Son of God to worship him. He wants humanity to worship him. He wanted the angels to worship him. And uh, that's why he's going to manifest on the earth in a counterfeit incarnation uh, in the man of lawlessness we know as the little horn or the Antichrist. It's becoming more visible because uh, we know it's the last hour. First John chapter 2 tells us that um, the rise of the satanic work and presence is going to be seen in counterfeit you know, prophets and counterfeit teachers, uh, false apostles, uh, individuals that are going to come that are going to deny Christ and uh, maybe present a alternative Christ, like the Gnostics of the New Testament days. It wasn't just a matter of them rejecting Christ. No, they had to take a scripture, they had to take and formulate a different Jesus, a reduced Jesus. Uh, I call the Gnostic Jesus the pocket-sized version that they can control. He's the do-nothing Jesus of the Gnostics and of the New Age, by the way. 
the Jesus that uh, they don't allow. I mean, the Jesus they formulated is not a Jesus who convicts them, who who's a savior, who loves them, who's God, who speaks, who holds the authority. No, uh, he's uh, a little pocket-sized Jesus that they may use for um, magical protection. They may use him uh, as they do many other occult objects. And uh, even though they say they aspire to be like him, that they're going to they're be able to become like the Christ, let me ask you, when have you found any of the Gnostics that have become like Christ or become divine? None. When have you found any human being in, that has denied the living Christ and embraced a false Christ who believes the satanic lie that they will be able to ascend to godhood? None. There is none, none of the occult writers, none of the occult leaders, none of the, the Luciferians, none of the Masonic you know, leaders uh, have ever ascended in their spiritual evolution. It's a constant thing of the carrot before the donkey. The, the carrot is way out in front and the donkey is running to get the carrot running forever, running, forever, running. And uh, listen, Satan has laid this trap and uh, there are many New Agers and others who simply are seekers and seekers. They are professional spiritual seekers who have never found what they are looking for. Jesus talked about coming to him and finding rest for their soul. That's the truth in coming to the real Christ. There's an end to our search and a beginning to delve deep into the treasures of the wisdom and knowledge that are found in Christ. The uh, Bible says that in him all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found. They're hidden. And we're to come and learn of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I hope you're doing that. I hope that you are at times just sitting before the Lord learning. Of, because listen, this is the living Christ. If you're in fellowship with him, he's dwelling in you. You're the temple of the Spirit of God. Christ is in you. The hope of glory, it says in the book of Colossians. This is the living Christ. The once dead, now alive forever Christ has come to live in your heart by the presence of the Spirit of God. Yes, he's on the throne, but communicated literally into your spirit, uh, literally his presence, not extended presence, personal presence. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Jesus Christ with you in the Great Commission all the way to the end of the age. So when we talk about an invisible war and the things becoming more visible, let me also say that that though the sense that Christ is invisible, that our faith is, uh, we, we live not by sight but by faith, that faith is reality. Faith isn't faith in faith. Faith isn't faith in blindness. Faith is not stepping out into a seeming void. Um, Dwight L. Moody says uh, faith can seem like stepping out into a, a seeming void, but then finding your foot landing on a rock. Faith is based uh, in reality, in biblical revelation, that, that all who would receive Jesus Christ would be born of the Spirit of God, receive the gift of sonship, be forgiven, and the living Christ would come to dwell in us. And so, dear Christian, I, I say to you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so, uh, as you sit and contemplate and think through and meditate um, on these things, on the Word of God, the living Christ is there. Worship Him, embrace Him, uh, let it be a living fellowship. Jesus said of the Scriptures, these are the Scriptures that testify about me. Our ultimate relationship isn't with the Word of God. 
though it's the foundation and grid it is the living precious words that he speaks to us but it's the scriptures that tell us about having fellowship with God and uh, great fellowship but in that fellowship there's a context of warfare and we, we cannot get away from that if we're going to be really disciples of Jesus Christ be taught by all biblical revelation taking up your cross you've been birthed and, and baptized into the body of Christ and Jesus said that body that church uh, the gates of hell would not prevail against because there would be a battle there would be a battle the ramping up of the demonic is becoming more and more visible in the sense of false prophets false teachers counterfeit signs wonders and miracles literally supernatural workings supernatural workings I just wrote an article to this morning early I was listening to Coast to Coast George Nori he was interviewing Glenn Kimball a professor who'd written numerous books and the professor talks about writing one book which really the book would have dealt with uh, replacing the real Christ with a reduced Jesus uh, a, again a Gnostic version or a New Age version of Christ and uh, the professor says in his testimony he was going to throw the manuscript away and he threw it in the trash but all of a sudden somebody appeared in his shop his doors were locked so he knew that they either walked through the door or they appeared there they came to him and said hey we know you we know what you're doing what you're writing and that book is too important we want you to man you know finish the manuscript and get it published and get it out there it will influence uh, many people well he didn't ask who that being was George Nori uh, quickly said oh that must have been an angel well no it wasn't an angel from God please understand seducing spirits are inspiring the writings that's what it says in Timothy chapter 4 verse 1 they will literally inspire the writings uh, of those who clearly rejected the living real Christ who do not have the Spirit of God to aid them they will be they will be providentially guided and and, and uh, looked over and and directed uh, in writing counterfeit writings uh, that would be completely opposite to the Word of God and you know what people are gonna have to choose what they're gonna believe that's true of those on coast to coast and other places they're gonna to have to choose what they really come down to believe a do-nothing pocket-sized reduced Christ that does what for you does he do anything for you is he alive is he real or accepting the eternal pre-existent prophesied uh, Christ whom the angels talked about and worshiped when he was born the virgin born God in human flesh Christ the one who went to the cross and welded a power that would give the gift of immortality and freedom and forgiveness and uh, and birth us into a relationship with God the Father uh, where we would receive the love of God, the gift of eternity, and the, uh, the absolute assurance that we would see God face to face and be loved by God, that a God that would be compassionate and kind to us. So when you begin to see counterfeit signs, wonders, miracles, and stories of supernaturally guided people writing books and, and entities showing up, uh, leading and guiding, for example, the, the lady psychologist who wrote The Course in Miracles, 
or Helena Bladovsky or uh, Alice Bailey Smith. So many of these really, really foundational New Age and occultic and Luciferian writers, they have inspiration also. Just like John uh, and and Mark and Luke and, and Paul and Peter and Jude all had inspiration by the Spirit of God. Uh, it is said from Old to New Testament that these apostles and prophets and writers, they were led by the Spirit of God. That even the words and prepositions, everything was chosen. They were expressing spiritual truths in spirit-given words. And um, that is how the Word of God came about. Well, on the other flip side, we're going to find that uh, vast numbers of books and materials inspired by demons, inspired by seducing spirits. Now, this was predicted 2,000 years ago that this would be occurring towards the last days. And you and I should see, we by looking at biblical prophecy and looking over the biblical, you know, revelations of what Satan will do and what pinnacle you know, points, strategic things that will be occurring in the world, we should be able to say, like Peter did on the day of Pentecost, this is that which uh, the prophets or the apostles spoke about or the Spirit of God has uh, pinned uh, through them and told us these things were coming. So be uh, prophetically uh, preemptive uh, in the way you live. And the way you share with people, and the way that you warn people, and the way that you tell them. Be uh, prophetically preemptive in your spiritual warfare, knowing. See, I already know what's coming more and more down the pike, is God shows more and more as we really look in. I already know that Satan is going to amass. The whole goal of amassing you know, the European Union and getting all those nations together, it's not just to rule as God you know, in the temple. He, it's not just for him to come and say, hey, I'm, I'm going to be God. I'm going to be, uh, you're going to worship me as God and exclude everything else else. It's not just about that. We can read about and study and prophetically, uh, preemptively take a look at the great persecution worldwide that's to come. We can look at what's going to happen with Israel, how Russia will be used, and how uh, the Muslims will be used, and even the United States' participation. We can see all this in biblical prophecy that we should know well, that should inspire how we live right now, but uh, all again uh, points to that um, uh, preemptive uh, prophetic insight uh, that we would have concerning these things. So as you see more and more visible the counterfeit signs, wonders, and miracles done by supernaturally guided and empowered individuals. I mean, even Second Thessalonians 2 tells us it is a secret power, secret power of lawlessness. Do you hear those words? A secret power. There's power, an operative supernatural power behind what Satan is doing. And we're going to see more of it uh, than ever in history uh, to the very days uh, to the very day in which Jesus returns. Well, under C, under that page 34, it says this. It will become crystal clear. But even then, the eyes and hearts of many will be blinded. Now, the progressive steps are outlined in Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Stage 1, spiritually to pollute the world. Uh, I mean, this is the, this is the goal. This is the satanic agenda. To pollute the world spiritually and morally. 
morally to dirty it. As it says in that scripture, um, and every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing. That Satan would continue to pile into humanity nothing but raw hedonism and, and, and pile them into sin because it darkens the human soul and perception and uh, strengthens the sin nature. That's what it's all about, to deceive. So there's got to be this constant mass sense of polluting the world spiritually and morally uh, because the next stage is to then eventually bring a collapse and seizure of the world through the Black Awakening, as they call it, or the Great Rebellion, the Great Revolt, as we see in that chapter. Prior to the apocalypse of Antichrist, before he can rise to visible power in Europe and uh, begin to, you know, uh, save the world from the chaos, the war, uh, nation against nation, the, the seeming collapse. There's, he first causes the great um, revolt. Uh, they call it the Black Awakening, in which uh, they, they will seek to collapse American government, society, military, law, enforcement, the infrastructure, that in Europe, also in England, to bring great chaos so that out of it can emerge a new world order. This is biblically true. This is a uh, this is prophetic uh, concerning God showing us what Satan will actually do and how the world will ramp up for this. And uh, when we know this and understand this, this makes it kind of makes us kind of um, preemptive. We have uh, we have preemptive information. And it's always good to get a heads up ahead of time of what the enemy's doing so that we can live, counter things, win the most possible to Christ, and do all that we can. Well, the third stage is to enthrone himself and to rule uh, as we read that he sets himself up in the temple of God and proclaims himself to be God. Now listen, that is part of the goal, but it's not the end goal. In becoming God of the earth, per se, and in bringing the world together under his rule, having the most powerful military and, and unified government, uh, eliminating all those who would confess Christ and, and uh, battling and, and eventually... Well, there's so much to that whole seven years that we can't even get into here, uh, into it right here. But that's pretty much the stages. Pollute the world spiritually, morally all of a sudden collapse and 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 bring into vast chaos uh, and seize control of uh, world government, leaders, and so forth. And then eventually to enthrone uh, himself as um, God on earth. But as I've always said, the finite, this, is so, this to me is insanity because the finite can never become infinite. He can never become God. He cannot do what God does. He cannot speak something and perform it. He does not have omniscience. He does not have omnipresence. And he definitely doesn't have omnipotence. And this is very important in our concept. As believers who have been given victory in Christ... Uh, Christ has exposed him and radically defeated him at the cross, triumphing over him and, and, and really publicly exposing the demonic realm. There we read that in uh, Colossians chapter 2. Well, what is needed right now for all of us as believers is this. We need very, excuse me, 
very alert and watchful eyes. Colossians 4.2 can talk to us, and God can teach us about how to do that in a practical way, in a daily way. That is this, to um, be devoted to prayer. You know, Jesus asked the disciples to come and pray with him, and he had to go to them again and again and say, Hey, couldn't you pray with me even one hour? They were falling asleep, everything else. You know, the idea of Colossians 4.2 is this. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful. Now, that idea there, being watchful, it has the idea of uh, being extremely alert and looking for any imminent threats. So if you are devoted to prayer, you're before the Lord, you're interceding, you're praying, you're, you're, that's, where, that's where, again, miracles and power and grace and mercies can be you know, just unleashed. But let me tell you also that uh, it's where we watch. We know what to pray against. We know what to warn others about. We know what to say. That we're not caught unaware. We should not be, no church, no Christian should be caught unaware if you are trained biblically and if you're experienced in your development, then you know that uh, part of our life is the joy of Christ. Part of our life is this great privilege of mission and serving Christ. But part of that Christian life is spiritual warfare and knowing what kind of battle is there so that you will not be outwitted. This is very important. Well, let's continue. And I want to talk about one of the ways that we can be alert and our eyes watchful based on, again, Colossians 2.4. But also, let me mention uh, four areas, or five, rather, uh, areas of discerning uh, the presence, the rise, and the rule of satanic powers. How do you discern this? How do you how do you see? Now, sometimes you might say, hey, Russ, you're talking about the ramping up of the enemy, you know. You're talking about all the stories that you've been involved in. Well, yeah, that's because for over 20-some years, we've targeted New Agers and Wiccans and Pagans and those in every kind of cult and working and Satanist, Luciferian, to engage in the preach Christ. And that has involved not only leading people to Christ, but uh, that has involved uh, tremendous antagonistic uh, interaction at times, threats against us. But it's also involved hundreds of deliverances and seeing the demonic presence. And so let me say this, that discerning the presence of the enemy comes, I, I believe, in five levels. Number one, biblical revelation. All that the Word of God says about warfare and agenda. I mean, this is what the Spirit of God painted out in Ephesians 6, telling Christians that the warfare, the struggle that they're going through is not flesh and blood. It's not just governmental powers, people in positions, you know, all around us. It's not just people. That truly demonic presence influences governments and works and seeks to rule and reign like the Prince of Persia. To rule and to reign principalities and powers and wicked forces, you know, demonic presence in the heavenly realms, that they really do seek um, harm and deception and uh, bring warfare against believers. I mean, listen, if you're to read Ephesians 6 about putting on the full armor of God, and it says, also when it mentions this, uh, to put on the, the shield of faith that can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Well, that tells you again that the flaming arrows, what are those flaming arrows? They are the involuntary feelings and thoughts that come to you to counter Christ, to destroy your faith. 
so that for every lie sent to you from the outside, from every lie that challenges your faith, there is biblical truth that will blast it out of your life. Biblical truth to stand on it. Just as it says in Romans chapter 1 how the world at large exchanged the glory of God for a lie. Listen, what we need to do in our spiritual development is continue to exchange lies for the truth. So you experience God based on truth. You begin to doubt God when lies start to lodge into your heart and mind. And usually that comes in the form of involuntary thoughts, involuntary feelings. Biblical revelation will tell you how Satan works, who he is, what he's like, what we're up against, uh, what our victory is, what the blood's all about, what the authority of Christ is all about. Listen, there's so much you might already know. And this is tremendous. Biblical revelation is the foundation and grid from which we learn everything that will eventually move into our experiential walk with Christ. Biblical revelation is vital. Not just, listen, uh, ill-conceived discipleship or um, kind of like pick-and-choose discipleship will not build you into a great believer in Christ. If all we're learning about is uh, how to have a prayer, how to go to church, and how to pay our tithes, if that's all they're going to teach us, then they're not faithfully teaching what Jesus said to do in, in Matthew 28. He said, teach Every single disciple, new convert, teach them everything whatsoever uh, that he's instructed and given. That means systematic, verse by verse, all of Scripture, all of it has been written down to teach us, to instruct us, uh, to help us, and to give us literally insight, to give us preemptive insight, to give us empowerment. As a matter of fact, the vitality of the Word of God is so important that we read about in 1 John chapter 2 when he says, I write to you young men because you're strong. Christians can become strong. Why? Because um, the Word of God dwells in you. And it says in there that they're strong, they've overcome, Greek word Nike, they have decisive victory over over the evil one, over Satan himself, because the Word of God is dwelling in them. How does the Word of God dwell in you? By your reading it, appropriating it, receiving its truth, putting it into practice. Listen, memorizing. I've got a verse right in front of me right now. From uh, let me just tear it down. Psalm ninety-seven ten. It's a verse I'm just I picked out early this morning to memorize. Let those who love the Lord hate evil, for he guards the lives of his faithful ones, and delivers them from the hand of the wicked. Psalm ninety-seven ten. Now that is something that I'm going to keep going over until it's memorized, but I want it to be personalized or experienced in the sense that this is what I really experience in life. This is the promise of God. That those who love the Lord, you know, we hate evil. That's true. I hate the fact that there's people that rape 12-year-olds. I hate the fact that there are those who may sacrifice animals and babies. I hate the fact that there are those who go out and kill and cut the throats of others. Hating evil is a right thing. Uh, that's a right thing. Tolerating it uh, will aid and abet its development and growth. More 12-year-old little girls will be raped. Uh, more little old women will be robbed and, and stolen from and killed. Uh, more anarchy and more things like that will happen. So yeah, uh, no question about it. Even Ro- Romans chapter 12 will tell you to, uh, to cling to what is good. We're to hate what is evil. And uh, it's very, very simple thing. 
biblical revelation. Well, let me tell you, secondly, uh, the experienced use of the Word of God. And that's kind of what I'm talking about right now, too. Memorizing it, using it, contemplating the Word of God, meditating on the Word of God, uh, seeing it in, in involved in, in daily exercise. Listen, when you read Hebrews 5.14, it will tell you that those who use the Word of God, by the constant use of it, you will be able to distinguish good from evil. You'll be able to have a sense of distinguishing, discerning, and knowing clearly um, good and evil, the presence of good and evil, the acts of good and evil, the nature of good and evil. Um, You will know that by the use, experienced use of the Word of God. So keep on studying, keep on learning, keep on growing. You know, it's 30-some years later since I've been saved. That's what I'm doing. Today I've got a new memory verse. Uh, Today I'm studying Psalms, Psalm 97, Psalm 98, Psalm 99, along with other things. And so uh, keep yourself refreshed. You never know it all. You never do. And uh, that's a delight because we continue. We know truly. We have foundational things. We grow. we, We know more than we knew, you know, a year ago. But continue to grow in your knowledge, my friend. And that takes a daily thing and a love for the Lord and a love for His Word. It brings you a life, joy. I mean, you read, listen, just Psalm, you know, maybe today, you know, study Psalm 119. And the Word of God, you know, is a lamp to your feet. It revives the soul. You, you know more than the worldly counselors. Everything else uh, makes you radiant. Oh, just so many things. Well, point three in discernment, the Holy Spirit perception. And uh, this is also seen in Acts 5, I believe, with, with Peter, who knows that Satan has infiltrated Ananias and Sapphira. The Holy Spirit of God um, is opposite of the demons and the demonic presence. By the Spirit of God, you can some you know you walk a spirit-filled life. I mean, really experientially spirit-filled life. You're going to experience uh, the sense that you know that there's demonic presence here or over there. Um, you feel that something is really wrong. You see something in somebody's life. You perceive a demonic presence by the supernatural presence. I mean, we're to discern, like it says in First Corinthians. The spiritual man discerns all things. So the Spirit of God gives us a discernment. The Spirit of God lets us look into the Word of God, understand and know it, and then look around the world for the application uh, of, uh, of uh, the ramping up of the evil and so forth so that we really can say, hey man, I really, really see this. I really see what the Word of God is talking about. The Holy Spirit is really showing me and teaching me. And and what I see in the Scriptures, I look around right now, and I see happening in the world around us. And uh, so the Spirit of God gives you the perception also. You can count on what someone called spirit-lit eyes. That the eyes of your heart in Ephesians be enlightened to know the inheritance you have. But the Holy Spirit also is is the Spirit of God who operates in our warfare. When you do warfare prayers, ask the Spirit of God to lead you and guide you. Ask Him to make you aware of the enemy's tactics in your own life. I mean, just sit before the Lord sometimes and say, Lord Jesus, by the Spirit of God, show me how the enemy has operated against me or in my life, is operating, or what's coming. And just really, you know, listen to the voice of the Lord and see what the Spirit of God is going to give you perception over. When you're praying over individual people, you know they're going through stuff. Pray, Lord, how is the enemy coming against them? Then with the insight that God gives you, the perception the Holy Spirit gives you, then you can use the authority of Christ to pray against the work of the enemy. 
Fourthly, power encounters. Well, of course that's going to give you. The more times you're out there evangelizing and all of a sudden someone uh, you see, they, they, they manifest demonic presence. And you again, by the authority of Christ, you command it to leave them. And you've done that numerous times. Well, there's an experiential level. Power encounters always bring exposure to the enemy. And so in the proclamation of Christ, out there on the field as we're praying and wanting to you know, advance the gospel, and you're out there sharing Christ on the street, near a bar, or wherever it may be, the very act of uh, doing the Great Commission and the power of the Spirit of God may force the manifestation uh, of demonic presence, which may you know, end up into a major power encounter. In other words, that you're approaching someone to share Christ and all of a sudden they manifest demonic presence, what are you going to do? Well, do what Jesus did. He started commanding the demon to come out of the man. Command the demon to come out of the girl. To come out of the man. Just command it. Don't wait. Don't, don't, don't hesitate. Just command the spirit to get out all the way and, and uh, for every spirit that's there to get out completely and in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, order them to leave and harm no one. And... Um, and uh, when the person is freed and they realize how they've been in captivity, lead them then to Christ. Mark chapter 5 is a great, great biblical um, training manual uh, for that very purpose. Look over that chapter again and again. Look how Jesus did it. Simply do it the way Jesus did it again and again and again. Uh, in uh, in counseling, even sometimes with people that you know, when people bring us to some, you know, people bring me people. They 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 they, they say this person's hearing voices. Well, they're either uh, hearing. Um, you know, this, I don't want to even get into the area of multiple personality disorder right now, but, but um, so many times it's just simply the spirits are there. And as we engage that and command whatever those voices are to come forward without any harm to the person, we see sometimes where the demon, even before we can finish the prayer, throw the person to the ground, and then we have to command them to get out, and they growl and they cry out and they scream because they know the authority of Christ. And uh, you'll have an experiential discernment by by the fact that you've done ministry, you know, 10, 20, 30, 100, 200 times, and uh, you are experienced in the area of power encounters. And fifthly, there is even supernatural gifting, like breakthrough in the area of major intercession and warfare prayer. God may give you a word of knowledge, uh, or you have the charismatic gift of distinguishing between spirits. And uh, you should have, uh, what that means is your power, uh, Holy Spirit-led power of discernment, uh, the idea your antennas are out further, that you should be able to detect uh, the presence of the enemy quicker, uh, counterfeit spirits operating through people quicker if you have the gift of discernment. And I would encourage you in this day, pray, pray within the body of Christ that many, many people get the charismatic gifting of distinguishing or discerning spirits. Um, pray for the gift of the word of knowledge. Pray just for the supernatural working of the Spirit of God, even in your major prayer. When you the, when you sense there's a spiritual attack, begin to pursue that in prayer and seek the Lord for insight and see what He gives you and how He warns you concerning things. And then you'll know how to mount up uh, some warfare prayer and bring others into it and do what's necessary. Well, we're on page 35. And I wanted to tell you about, uh, in the book of Revelation, one of the foundational uh, chapters in this uh, session 
uh, 16, or sorry, 11 um, is Revelation 16. And starting down in verse 13 on down. Um, actually, in verse 13, we find the response. Now, there's some questions here, like in verse 13, is this a response to what happened in verses 12, 10 and 11 and 12? Uh, next question, how and why are dark powers released? Next question, who are the armies? What are they for? How are they fueled? What is the great day of God Almighty? Uh, these are the questions I want you to take a look at from verses uh, 10 on down in Revelation 16. Let me mention a few of these things. In verse 13, what, what the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet do here, this is classic ritual format. They are, they are pulling together, some call this the unholy trinity, and uh, out of the mouth of the dragon, the mouth of the beast, and the mouth of the false prophet come spirits that look like frogs, ancient demonic deities, and uh, they are sent out. Now notice the targeting. Notice again the conjuring and the release of demonic presence focused. Now this is what occultists are doing now against Christians, against churches and in the world today. They're, they've learned and they're, they're knowing more and more. Aleister Crowley knew this and, 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 and covens and Luciferians, real ones know this. They conjure powers to send it out against with assignment. And so we see there's an assignment here. The assignment is through miraculous workings, demonically, supernaturally, you know, uh, empowered workings, that they are going to go out and gather the kings of the earth together. They're going to they're going to deceive in another layer of deception those who've already taken the mark, those who've already listened to the lie, those who've already embraced the wickedness. And the sad thing is this, that, that, that this demonic presence and power is what's going to fuel the gathering together of the largest army in global history. Now I want you to contemplate that. I want you to think about this. Because we're seeing the final solution Satan has in ridding his, uh, his uh, falsely uh, acquired uh, domain uh, the temple of God and proclaiming himself to be God. So in order to protect that and extend that and keep that, part of the issue of him gathering the armies and having the armies and building the weaponry and doing all that he's doing, part of that whole goal, listen, prophetically, we have this preemptive insight that he's going to eventually use all of this. Could you imagine Whatever, whatever's left in the United States and the armies brought in or military stuff, all of Europe, Russia, whatever else, all these nations and these leaders will gather, what, a billion-man army? I don't know. Millions upon millions with the most highly advanced weapons in human history, demonically, completely supercharged, and they're gathering together for the great day of God Almighty. And let me say this very clearly again. The great day of God Almighty is not that they're going to be fighting each other. These, this is not the time when these nations will fight against each other. These nations that are supernaturally, demonically gathered together by the, by the pouring out of demonic spirits from the mouth of the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. This is like his final solution. His reaction to the wrath of God striking the beast empire. And he's going to gather them all together to do one thing. 
If you read Revelation 19.19, you're going to see that the focus of the satanic armies, which includes nations like France and Germany and Russia and uh, all many others throughout Europe, and the attempt would be to draw in the United States. I don't know how far that's going to be, but the goal is to bring a global army to battle, not each other, but to battle the rider on the white horse. Read Revelation 19, starting in verse 1 all the way to 19. We begin to see this great praises and, and uh, hallelujah. Read how many times the word hallelujah is used and what it's for. And you know what you're going to see? You're going to see tremendous praise and great exaltation because the living, uh, reigning Christ will now visibly descend out of the heavens, break into our, uh, our, our, our sight. Every eye shall see him, the scripture says, even those who pierced him. And in this visible descent, we read about it in, in 1 Thessalonians, uh, the Lord shall descend. And in that descent, in that visible revelation, the apocalypse of Christ, there is a waiting I don't know, I'm guesstimating a billion-man army. Most highly advanced weaponry. Everything Satan can possibly muster. That's why I say Luciferians and Satanists and undergrounders, Satanic Chosen Ones and so forth, those who boast that they're going to be a part of the troops of Antichrist. That's why I say that you're going to be just used as cannon fodder. You're just going to be used as bodies to be thrown at the descent of the living Christ. And just as God has always prophesied in advance, said what he's going to do, and then do it, at the Revelation 19 tells us that when Jesus descends, the first thing he's going to deal with is he's going to destroy uh, the authority and completely uh, strip uh, the authority and power and working of uh, the the beast and the false prophet they're going to be thrown alive into the lake of fire he's going to completely decimate and destroy uh, the, the, the pinnacle of satanic presence and power when he returns and it talks about how the armies um, of heaven will be with him we will be with him those who are believers in Jesus Christ will already be there that we will be with him descending down with him now we will not do the the battle he will do the battle we see that he will do it all in the first coming of Messiah of Christ he came as a suffering servant but now he comes as the king of kings and lord of lords and um, we're going to see what's going to happen so this is why I'm saying that you need to study um, this very deeply. You need to understand that Satan knows prophecy. He knows that Jesus Christ is going to visibly return. He knows where he's going to visibly return. Why do you think he's in Jerusalem? Why do you think he comes to the temple? Why do you think he makes that the place of his his uh, powerful structure? Why do you think he attempts and allows uh, the attempt anyway at the annihilation of all of Israel? You know why? Because this is where Jesus is returning. There are millennial promises for Israel. And as Christ returns, and this millennial kingdom will be set up, this rule and reign of Christ, um, it will also then involve the great white throne, which I believe, I believe Satan and the demons already know about the great white throne. 
Because after that, everything demonic, everything that has chosen the demonic, every demon ever in existence, everything of the e of the evil one, all will be thrown into the lake of fire. Everything will be absolutely separated as God Almighty um, brings about the home of the righteous. Brings about peace forever and ever and ever. Brings about, you know, uh, what so many have longed for. He brings an end to all war, to all uh, death and killing and murder and slaughter and nation against nation. He comes to rule and only Christ will be able to do this. This is why the message of Jesus and what he did at the cross welds a power so great that it not only transforms our personal lives, our destinies, uh, the destinies of the, of, of the nations, uh, the salvation in the sense of, of humanity, that it would not be annihilated. Matter of fact, listen, students, Jesus said one time in the gospel that unless those days be shortened, there would be no flesh left. Nobody would survive it. Satan will ramp up his presence. His presence means destruction. And uh, that destruction comes about because of him being permitted to rule and reign. He can only be permitted through willing hearts. And that's why we need to be out there doing what we need to do to win every soul we can to Christ because Jesus won't return until the message of the gospel is preached to every tribe, language, nation, and person on the face of the earth. God wants as many as possible saved. And I believe, as you'll see as I talk in uh, session uh, 12, the final session, that, uh, that, um, that God is, even in the midst of Satan's worst, God will do some of the greatest things ever in all of history. Powerful things. On page 36, and I think 30, uh, 36 rather, um, I've asked you as students to uh, contemplate, and those who listen to this, to contemplate some of these things. If Satan's final solution is to build the greatest army in all of human history, because he knows that Jesus is going to return, and he has to mass them together to eventually seduce him in such a way and to so demonically empower and charge them with uh, miraculous satanic signs and wonders to get them to come and convince them to fight against Christ. Uh, this is massive to me. Now here's some of the questions I want to ask you. Before that day ever comes, does that mean that before that day ever comes that Satan will be operating uh, in the laboratories among military scientists to develop weapons that he foresees he's going to need? Could it be that he's already trying to influence people in the Pentagon, uh, people in, the, in Russia's military, the scientists, China's, Europe, all of Europe? Is it possible that there is an occult military complex? Is it possible there really is a, a behind-the-scenes black military, a rogue military? I believe there is. I believe that it has advanced itself in enormous proportions since the 50s when the occult ideology of the Nazis uh, flowed into Russia, flowed throughout Europe, flowed into the United States, uh, Operation Paperclip and all those things involved, um, was, I think, again, Satan's uh, preparations uh, because he's going to seize military powers, governmental powers. Christians, listen to me now. He has been and is operating in your government. Uh, he is operating in uh, politics. 
he will do what he tried and attempted to do among the Nazis with uh, with the uh, demonic ideology, uh, the, the formation of laws that would outlaw Christendom, that would outlaw the Christ, the cross, that would do all that it can to eliminate Jews. We see this operating presence and power among Muslims right now with the ancient deity, the moon god, or the prince of Persia, Allah. As he operates and uh, builds warriors and builds and prepares them, uh, as he prepares the 12th you know, um, Mahdi to come, and, and uh, the Mahdi is going to come, and he, he sounds like the Antichrist. Uh, only he will only come visible to the world after massive bloodshed as he works his way to Jerusalem and eventually rules and reigns from Jerusalem. Some of the uh, prophetic insight and words that the imams and and uh, other Islamic scholars uh, are telling us. My question is, where do those prophecies come from? Because they seem to be uh, what I find in Luciferian prophetic words and satanic covens who are prophesying. Yes, they prophesy. They have prophetic elements within their meetings where demons speak to them about the rise of the satanic order and encourages them. Yes, that's how it works. And uh, Satan is alive and he's working among his people. And obviously he's meeting with the elitists in Europe He's meeting with the few uh, who then influence the next level, who then influence the next level, who then uh, are building this this army. First for the great revolt, the Black Awakening, then for the um, empowerment, enthronement of uh, Antichrist himself to rule and to reign. Uh, but then from there to seize and to build and collect again the army, the most, the largest army in world history. For one goal, to stop the living Christ from his descent. Now, Revelation 19 tells us again, and, and we can express it powerfully, hallelujah, uh, Jesus Christ is coming to reign, and, and he comes to literally dash all the demonic presence and power. And uh, the, the important thing at this point is to realize that the gospel evangelization will cease at the visible return of Jesus Christ. And there is no other second chance. There is no other doors open. And uh, so we must cry out. We must be spirit-led and, and preach good news of great joy that God has loved us, that Christ has come, that salvation uh, is uh, necessary and open to all, that he summons all people everywhere to come. God is not willing that any perish. Every governmental leader, let's target. Listen, evangelistically, we got to target our military soldiers and military leaders. we got to pray for those bases. we got to set up strategy in praying against the satanic infiltration of government, of politics, of military. You think I'm kidding? I am not kidding at all. We need to have a, a strategic setup of massive intercession. Those intercessors out there that I'm talking to you right now, those prayer warriors out there that I'm talking to you, those great soul winners and witnesses that I'm talking to you out there, we need a strategic 
strategy of focused, targeted prayer, intercession, uh, covering bases and soldiers and and uh, and off all all areas of our of our um, military and law enforcement and government and politics. We need a massive, massive strategy in praying that spiritual awakening when it strikes the culture does affect politics, does affect politicians, does affect society, and can uh, bring about tremendous, just like in the Civil War when revival was breaking out in the South among soldiers. Uh, the incredible work of Christ in saving soldiers, even soldiers, American soldiers there uh, in Iraq and those in the first and second Gulf Wars, those many, many soldiers who sat in those Abram tanks, one soldier I know who read his Bible and saw peop- other soldiers come to Christ, how they would put plastic in the sand and, and fill as much as they could with water and, and, uh, and baptize the new converts to Christ. Soldier, 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 come to Christ. Receive the Spirit of God in coming to Jesus Christ. Learn the Word of God and learn the prophetic Word of God that that preempts and enables you to see and to know what's coming down. Listen, if there are soldiers, and I'm going to be doing a podcast on just really speaking out to soldiers, looking out for satanic infiltration of U.S. military for them to set up strategic principles of prayer, intercession, and spiritual warfare. Well, listen, we're going to move on to session 12 here in a little bit. God bless you. Keep us in prayer. We're keeping you in prayer. And uh, pray how God's going to use all this material in your life. Decide to take up that cross and follow Jesus daily and uh, let Him use your life and put into practice the Word of God. This is Russ Dizdar, www.shatterthedarkness.net. Blessings to you.